We spent a lot of time today talking about I love to read the importance from a teacher's perspective of I love to read. Why is it so important that we read to kids? We also spoke to a Winnipegger who is appearing on The Price is Right today. His taping was on January 18th. We did our best to get as much as we could out of him, but he held the line and kept a secret. The Forks Nestaway River Trail is closed for the season after being open for only nine days total. And since we were talking about I Love to Read Month, we asked you, what's your favorite book that has pictures, whether illustrated or real photographs? I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling. We are Mackling and McGarry, and this is the Thursday, February 22nd podcast for The Start. It is Mackling and McGarry. As you just heard in Sarah's newscast, our wacky winter causing problems and headaches at the Forks. And we'll get more into that at 635. But on the subject of wacky winter, Greg just asked me about the long-term forecast. Have I seen it? Normally, it's like even (laughs) I check the weather obsessively, of course, during the summer because I want to see how it's going to be for my whenever my next golf game is. And in the winter, I think it just is out of habit. That's one of the first things I do when I get up is I look at the long-term forecast. I didn't do that today. And you almost knocked me on my on my butt when you told me this. The news just sort of slapped me in the face. On your keister. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what your phone says. Mine is very different from what it says on the Environment Canada website. Uh, but we have a forecast high uh, tomorrow of minus nine. Saturday... Six degrees on the plus side. Okay. Minus one Sunday. And then for Monday, and this is on the Environment Canada website. I have not seen it anywhere else. It's calling for a high of 13 degrees. Okay. Okay. This is after a low of minus four overnight Sunday into Monday morning. A mix of sun and cloud, 13 degrees. And then... It turns to a chance of rain showers or flurries and a low Monday night of minus 20. (laughs) So a 33 degree shift and then a high of just minus 16 on Tuesday, minus 13 Wednesday. So it goes minus nine, six degrees, minus one, 13 Minus 16 and minus 13. There is no way this is coming to fruition. I've spoken to Drew Stremek. He says, yep, they're sticking to this. I don't see it anywhere else, but this is what Environment Canada is saying for the next several days. Pretty much mirrors what the Weather Network says. That's that's one of the main apps that I look at on my phone. They've got minus 9 tomorrow, 7 on Saturday. One on Sunday with an overnight low of minus four. Yeah. They're also calling for 13 degrees on Monday. <laughs> and their they're predicted overnight low for Monday night is minus 14. Okay. So they're saying windy out of the, it's going to be windy, start windy out of the southeast Sunday night, a little breezy. And on Monday, they're saying wind in like the 25 to 40 kilometer an hour range out of the south. But then at night, it's going to shift to a north wind, uh, potentially with some snow. And it looks like a stiff north wind. And then Tuesday, 
Uh, it's probably going to be a windy day out of the north all day long with a significant potential for snowfall. And then Wednesday, minus 13, and then and then we sort of get out of it. And we're back into the single digits on either on like minus 6, 1, 1, 0, minus 4. So, so that southerly flow, obviously a big deal, right? That's what's bringing, would bring something like 13 degrees. So I like to look at other cities that are in line with that. So I'm looking at Fargo. Mm-hmm. And today, uh, at least on my Apple, my iPhone app here, saying eight degrees in Fargo today, minus one tomorrow, 11 Saturday, uh, four Sunday, 14 on Monday, two degrees Tuesday, and then back down to minus 11 on Wednesday. Okay. So that there might be some rationale for this roller coaster forecast from Environment Canada. I wanna, don't want to say that they don't know what they're doing over there, but this is goofy. Yeah, it's goofy, and it looks like uh, I mean a couple of places corroborating it. So we're we're the wackiest winter I can remember yes. will continue to begin next week. And as mentioned at six thirty-five, we'll get more into what we learned yesterday from the forks having to close the Nestawaya River Trail after just being open for nine days total uh, this season. <laughs> Also, today we are going to talk about reading because we've been mentioning that I've gone to see some kids at a couple of schools for I Love to Read Month. Greg's going to see some kids next week at a couple of schools. And one of our listeners reached out and uh, just, you know, had commented on something and mentioned that uh, he also, as in his role as an educator, participates in I Love to Read Month. And I just said, hey, do you want to? You want to chat with us on the importance of reading to kids? Because sometimes uh, I feel like are the kids getting in anything out of this? And uh, but and I think part of the reason is it depends on the age group because there are some books that ever like that the book the couch potato that I read to the grade ones and even the grade threes that I went to see last week they were all over it they were all into it but there are sometimes oh like I'll read to like a grade five class or a grade six class and they give me a book to read and it's like for little kids and I'm thinking really like you are these kids even going to enjoy this uh, but. The, it was so clear that the kids were into it when I went to see them on Tuesday. They were into it last week. And I wanted to just delve into it a, bit, a little bit more. What is the importance of reading to kids? And how can it help shape their young minds? Well, I'm looking forward to getting an educator's perspective on this. I, I have the parental perspective. You know, you were just uh, suggesting a, a, new, a new series. Is it on Netflix, Brett? Avatar, The Last Airbender. That so, starts today on Netflix. So there you go. And so you know that one of my boys really likes that Percy Jackson series that just uh, ran and is available. That's on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. And so, but that that series is never popular with either of my boys if they don't read. Yeah. And they, they were, my boys used to read a ton. They don't read for pleasure nearly as often, if at all, anymore. My kids have read all the Percy Jackson books and the Harry Potter books and everything. And and every once in a while, I would like, really? Did you just read that book? And so I would pull, let's have a little quiz. And I'd flip to a random point in the book and i ask a question about this relative and that relative. And in this scenario, what happened? And they'd nail it. 
So I'd give him a couple of goes at a question like that. I'm like, I guess you're reading it and retaining it. <laughs> what a philosophy. What a thought. And in our next segment, we're going to tell you how you can win tickets for Sunday night's game, Jets game. Arizona's in town, but Greg, Sunday's game also. We just had the Black History game on uh, Tuesday, and then Sunday is another special game. Yeah, WASAC, the Winnipeg Aboriginal Sports Achievement Center. WASAC has been honored and been sort of the feature uh, beneficiary of of what happens on uh, on this evening. So it's affectionately known as WASAC Night, and lots of people like to go to that game. We've got some great... Great merchandise. The Jets, unfortunately, won't be wearing those jerseys like Mm. they have in the past, but that doesn't mean there might not be jerseys available. So uh, this is a very popular game and a great night for the family to get out because it's a a Sunday, and I think the game starts at 5.30 on Sunday. That's right. So we'll tell you in our next segment how you can win tickets for that game. But right now... It's the latest example of how this mild winter has been a blessing for some and a curse for others. Global Winnipeg anchor Lisa Dutton breaks down the news from the Forks. After being open for just nine days this season, the river trail at the Forks is closing for the year. Officials say the uncharacteristic conditions this winter, mild temperatures, rain, melting, freezing, created a challenge that's become too difficult to overcome. The 2024 season will go down. As the shortest in history after the unprecedented 72-day run from January 1st to March 14th last year, seeing 220,000 people. This year only saw 25,000. The Forks says on-land skating trails will remain open, weather permitting. Zach Peters with the Forks says a climate adaptation plan is being hatched for future seasons. Uh, to recognize that that climate change is a reality. And uh, this winter may be a part of that or or maybe an anomaly uh, uh, otherwise. But um, regardless, we we do know that we have to prepare for the future in that way. And so that process is just starting to unfold. And we'll see over the next uh, while what that that brings to us and what that sort of sets us uh, forward for in terms of a, a path forward. So, yes, the Forks is a meeting place. Yes, it's a place for recreation. It's a place just to hang out. It's a place to walk. It's normally a place to skate in the wintertime. However, it's also a hub of economic activity, right? When you go down there, if you go for a skate for an hour, not everybody, but a good portion of people will drop a few dollars, maybe on a hot chocolate or a bite to eat, or you wander around the market and you buy something maybe that you wouldn't have otherwise purchased because you're at the Forks. For one reason, you end up spending money on something else that you hadn't planned on spending. Yesterday on the news with Richard Cloutier and Julie Buckingham, they spoke to a business at the Forks. Lana Bakun is co-owner of Kendrick's Outdoor Adventures. Uh, we started about four years ago now, and we offer year-round seasonal outdoor rental equipment um, from ice bikes and fat tire bikes and snowshoes and skating assists in the winter at the Forks and Fort White Alive to kayaks, canoes, paddleboards, and lessons and more out at Fort White Alive in the summer. And really just encourage people to get moving, get fresh air, and get outside all year round. And on the subject of what winter has been like for her business. Yeah, so the River Trail at the Forks, it's been, it's been the toughest year yet. Um, the team at the Forks and that River Trail team, they tried, we tried, they work hard out there every year, and so do we. And uh, 
usually we have six to eight weeks out there. And I think for us, we've probably been out there about 12 hours, 12 great hours with lots of fun. But um, I think the trail in total maybe maybe had a week, maybe a few more days than that. But it's been a wild ride for, for everyone. And um, I think we've been impacted and a lot of people talk ask us how we've been doing. Um, but so many other business and businesses and winter events and even downtown, that trail brought so much life to the city downtown um, from for people visiting near and far. And there's just many impacts and lots of missed fun and adventure without having a typical winter pig winter. Huge impact. I referenced how in recent weeks, how I wandered down to the forks. I walked on the, the, the trail that runs adjacent to the Assiniboine River from Osborne down to the forks. And this was before they opened it the first time and they, you know, they had begun preparing to open it, but it's pretty quiet at the forks. Whereas when the trail is open and if you walk down to the forks, it is just hundreds and hundreds of people skating sort of just in that, that port rink or coming up and down the trail and, Maybe thousands of people at a given time. I don't know because the whole Forks grounds packed when that trail was open. Yeah, they cited some numbers there. Lisa said 220,000 last year versus 25,000 this year. So when you think about that and you tie it back to the whole idea of economic impact and the number of people, the number of possible customers at the Forks has dropped dramatically. So we mentioned the fact that this conversation with uh, with uh, Lana from Kendrick's Outdoor Adventures on the news, Richard Cluche asked, after this tough winter, will they be around for the summer? Yes, um, that's a good question, and it makes us think about things a little bit differently. But weather we can't control. Um, and what we do hope is that people continue to visit us out at our Port White Alive location. Um, we were really ready for winter on the trail with more equipment and a great team ready to work. So we are really ready for next winter. Um, and we hope that people visit us in the summer. Um, we are out at Port White on the lakes there for canoes and kayaks and pedal boats and paddle boards and so much more and hope to have a downtown location for e-bikes and other equipment. So, um, I mean, summer, as long as it's not raining every day, we're hoping it's going to be really great. And, and we do miss what winter brings. And we're known for winter and all the fun and things that we have here and different types of events and different activities you, you can do. And I know there's lots of people that miss out on renting things that we had, but there's also people that have skis sitting in their closet and, and stores that have too many winter boots on their shelves. And, and there's an impact to your point that might not be as strong as the pandemic, but it definitely is a seasonal impact for many businesses, including ourselves. Once again, that's Lana Bakun from Kendrick's Outdoor Adventures, uh, co-owner of that business at the Forks. And, you know, this particular example with the Forks and the River Trail, just one of so many examples of how the economy of winter has been rough. Like when you think of people who depend on snow so they can clear it. Yes. Like we got it because we got yes. up, we had that early snowfall and I think it was late October, right? Where I, and it, we didn't get a lot of snow, but it, it, we, it was happening like every day. It was snowing every day. And every day here, just using our building as an example at 201 Portage, they had a crew who was there every day starting at 6 a.m. shoveling. And uh, they, you know, they had one of those little skid sear uh, pieces of equipment to, to take the snow away. And they were there every day. And I thought, okay, well, businesses like this 
are off to a great start for winter. I wasn't happy to see the snow yet, but I felt happy for them uh, that they were able to to you know take advantage of the winter, so to speak. What do you call it? White uh, white gold. White gold. And there's so many aspects to our economy. We've done such a great job in warming up to winter. Look at raw almond. That incredible dining experience on the river, that didn't happen this year. So we have lots of listeners around the province. Is there something in your community that suffered because of this warm, this unusual winter? We need to hear from you. 204-780-6868. It is Mackling and McGarry. The month of February is many things, including I Love to Read Month. And at 8.35, we're going to speak to an educator on the importance of reading to kids. The benefits are both for the kids and us, the people reading to the kids. I know for me, it's a wonderful experience whenever I get to go see the kids and read the book. And honestly, the couch potato the book that I read to the kids this is the first book I've read in a, in a long time. Well done, Brett. It's always a reminder, like, I really need to read more. But I was just thinking as I was reading the book, it has all it comes with, you know, wonderful illustrations. All these books that we read to kids are illustrated. And then I just thought, we often ask for I Love to Read Month, what's your favorite book? Or what was your favorite book when you were a kid? But I'm curious, what's your favorite book with pictures whether it's illustrated, whether it's real photographs, could be something from your childhood, could be something current. Maybe you've got a coffee table book that you treasure. Maybe you've got a special edition of a novel, like Lord of the Rings. You can get fancy editions that are illustrated and have beautiful illustrations. So what's your favorite book with pictures for a chance to win tickets for the Jets? Sunday night, Wasak game, Arizona in town. Cameron Poitras, you want to start us off? Uh, yeah, I'll... All uh, the two books that had the most impact on me as a kid uh, were both written by Americans who eventually ended up in Canada and, and are now Canadians, uh, Phoebe Gilman and then Robert Munch. Uh, Phoebe Gilman wrote Something for Nothing, which is an old Yiddish tale. And this was my favorite book as a kid. It um, details a, a grandpa making something for his uh, grandson. and it, This feels oddly prophetic suddenly, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It is. And then eventually, you know, and I'm Jewish now, so it was, it's interesting. And uh, there's um, the, you know, the, the story is, if you don't know it, there's, there's um, uh, you know, a very nice piece of fabric. The grandfather makes it for his his grandson, and it it slowly becomes smaller and smaller as, as the you know the 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 kid ages and is you know he's he's a he's a young boy and then there's these little mice I love these little mice at the bottom that take the scraps and, <laughs> and I'm, look, I'm looking at it right now yeah. these illustrations are beautiful yeah and these little mice at the very bottom they they take uh, the fabric and they do something uh, really cool with the for this little mouse, mice family and I love that it had the two stories in it um, and so that was my favorite one and the other one was something for nothing oh god the Robert Munch book yeah. Can't remember the title? No, it's um, yes. I Love You Forever. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's the one, man. As a kid, I didn't get it. And uh, you get it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 My, my that, last, that last page, oh, my God, or the second last page. Yeah, my, my mom actually got me and my brother uh, a copy of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With our birthdays in it. So. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I'm not familiar with this Love You Forever book, but... Uh, 
based on the impact it's had on your life, Cam, I'm going to have to look into this. So thank you for sharing both of those. I, and I had not heard of either of them, uh, so that's cool stuff. Sarah McCarthy, what about you? Yes, I also have two, uh, starting with an adult one that I like now, kind of like a coffee table book. It's called Humans of New York Stories. And it's basically this guy, it's photographs. This guy walks around New York and he's just asking people about their day, about their life, uh, couples, how they met. And he takes photographs of them and just really sweet stories from just adults to teenagers to dogs, pets. So it's really nice. And... Then my favorite kids book, also a Robert Munch book, uh, The Paper Bag Princess, and just all the themes and tales that go along with that, the girl power theme, the independence, and if you don't know, she saves the prince from the dragon and kind of a little reverse role there. And uh, long story short, he's not very grateful because <laughs> she doesn't look the best because the dragon got to her and she's wearing a paper bag. So then uh, <laughs> my favorite line at the end, she goes to him, well, you look like a real prince. But you are a bum. <laughs> and, they, and they didn't get married. So, love that book. Robert Munch has, has some very interesting language in Iconic. many of his uh, many of his books. It's, it's brutally honest, yep. right? It's, you are so, a bum. Yeah, it's pretty good. That's great stuff. Forte, what about you? Wow. Okay, well, mine's not like as heartfelt or anything like that. I was going to go for search and find books. Like, oh, uh, yeah. I, I had a Scooby-Doo one, so you had to find Scooby-Doo and the gang and the objects that they were looking for. Uh, there was also Waldo. Where's Waldo? Oh, yeah. Come on. Those were great. And then I also remember that uh, Disney had the Golden Books, and so I had, like, The Lion King, mm -hmm. and uh, I had uh, Aladdin. And then there was they also had these bigger, hard books, and you would open it up. And on the side, there was like, it was a sound. I think they were called like golden sound books. And oh. so like, like you'd follow the, the book and then you'd look at the pictures. And when you're following the book, it'd tell you to press a button and it would take uh, the audio that would come from the yeah. movie. So those are really cool. Yeah, those are neat. Right on. And uh, Mackling. Well, love you forever. Uh, Cam stole that one right out from under me and, and rightfully so. Um, if you've ever lost a parent... Um, it really hits home. It takes on an entirely new meaning as an adult versus when you're a kid. My kids could recite that book probably when they were three years old. We read it to them so often. Oh, got wow. to the point where they were saying it back to us. But my my favorite uh, book, book, like physical possession book is is one that my dad brought back from the Soviet Union oh, when wow. he went to the World Hockey Championships in Moscow in 1986 and uh, this book is chock full of colored photos. It's basically the history of, of Soviet slash Russian hockey. Oh. And we went to see Vladislav Trechak at a book signing, his book signing, years ago here in Winnipeg. Brought that book to show him because it was chock full of autographs. And so there were four or five hundred people in line. My dad shows Trechak this book. And through his interpreter, basically hold the line. Really? <laughs> I want to look at this book. And he says, there's an incredible picture of my wife in this book. I want to show it to you. And so he flipped through the book to show us this picture of his wife. Oh we had this God. little personal interaction. And then my dad said, do you mind if I ask, like, is that your autograph on this particular page? Ah, that's me. It's me. <laughs> uh, Tikhanov, like the coach, uh, legendary coach. Yeah, ah, Tikhanov, that is, yes. So he, it was quite the incredible experience that came from 
uh, having that book in our in our family. We've got Jets tickets to give away for Sunday's game against Arizona, the Wasack night. And we're asking you this morning, because at 8.35 we're talking I Love to Read and the importance of reading to kids. What is your favorite book that happens to have pictures in it, be they illustrations or real photographs? And as we've been discussing this, I just, just remembered moments ago, like a blast from the past that flooded my brain. When I was a kid, I had these uh, Star Wars read-along book and tape. I remember them. Yeah? Oh, yeah, my brother had them. I think one of them might have even had a record, like a little 45. 100% they did. And one of them that I, and I, I used to love this uh, and also fear it because the sound, maybe this is where my fascination with radio began because I used to love these things and I can't, I, and I now know which rabbit hole I'm going to tumble down later this afternoon on YouTube <laughs> because I found them. Come one on. of them was called Planet of the Hoojibs. So I'm just going to play about 30 seconds from that. But with so much food at home, why hit us up for dinner? If we were forced out of our home by a beast. Leia shook her head. Come on, Pliff. What beast? That one. And then this giant winged monster comes in, and that sound, the sound the monster made used to scare the daylights out of me. But God, I loved these things so much. I had that one, and Empire Strikes Back. I might have had Return of the Jedi. I don't know. I might still have them buried somewhere in a box. Spectacular. Thanks for that memory, Brett. Your bro, and you say your bro used to have them? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Those were in our house for sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. So those are some for me. What does Shannon say? My favorite book is one that my mom had specially made. It was a Winnie the Pooh book. But when you ordered it, you specifically put in friends' names, parents' names, the school you went to, all these personal things. So when they printed the book, they created the story using your friends' names and all these different locations that you'd put in, you'd submit it, right? And what city you lived in, it personalized the entire story. It was awesome. I'll never have another book that has the best memories reading it with my mom. She has since passed, and I cherish this book forever. It is Mackling and McGarry. If you missed it earlier, Greg, at 9.35, there's going to be a Winnipegger doing what at 10 o'clock today? Well, listen, I just apologize to Hal Anderson because at 10 o'clock today, a Winnipegger is going to appear on The Price is Right. Tony Kuziak is his name. Many of you know him. He's been one of the top fundraisers in the motorcycle ride for dad over the years. Oh yeah, You would recognize him. I think Brett and Tony's going to join us at nine 35 to tell us as much as he can pre appearance on the price is right. This was obviously filmed about a month ago. He's been waiting patiently. And today is the day. Cool. Can't wait to learn more about that. But I'm reminded that we have jets tickets to give away for Sunday night's game, Arizona, is in town. It's the Wasack night. And we're asking you at 204-780-6868, because we're talking I Love to Read in just a moment, about your favorite books that have pictures in them, whether they're illustrations or photographs. And Dino, with a terrific one that takes me back, he says, who remembers the Choose Your Own Adventure books? 
You could control the story because when the characters faced an obstacle, you got to choose their response. E.g., if John opens the creaky old door to explore the dark room, go to page 15. Versus if John continues down the safe hallway, go to page 10. You could read the same book over and over with a different story each time. The pics were in black and white, but the illustrations were always super detailed. And I'm pretty sure my older brother's collection of the first 50 or so books is still in mom's basement. It may or may not be missing one or two books because little brother, me, probably lost them. (laughs) I love those books. Those are for sure the most valuable ones. The one or two that are lost. (laughs) Those are the ones that that go for most on, on eBay. So keep those coming for a chance to win those Jets tickets. We're going to pick a winner at 9.15, and we're talking about that today because it's I Love to Read Month, and I had the pleasure this week of going to uh, George V School, and I went to a school uh, last week as well, Hastings School, to read to kids uh, grade 3 and 4 at Hastings and some grade 1s and 2s at George V I read The Couch Potato, which is a terrific little book that you got me, Greg. And uh, it's just, it was a joyous experience every time. And I know you get to experience that joy next week. Yeah, I absolutely love going out to read to the kids. But I've always wondered, like, I mean, as a parent, I, th- I, th- I think I get it. But as an educator, let's find out why it's so important for kids to read. Jonathan Waite, president of Sane River Teachers Association, is our guest. Jonathan, thanks for making time with us. Well, good morning. Thanks for having me. So why is it so important for, for kids to get engaged with a book? I mean, you'll, you'll identify this uh, having done it yourself. It's looking at those children as you're reading to them and seeing their minds open up, seeing their imaginations start to stretch. And, and I mean, we do it right from an early age, right? When, when the, the kids come home, parents are reading to their kids. And, and uh, that should and, and does continue in schools. Uh, as it doesn't matter what age the, the, the kids are. I have had the opportunity like you have had to go and read in classrooms this year and uh, all the way from grade one up to grade six, grade seven. And it's been a hoot uh, watching the kids identify with the reading material. It doesn't matter what age they are. Uh, I, I did a little bit of research for you. Uh, I found that the Public Agency of Canada says that kids who read have higher self-esteem and are able to take initiative uh, in their life and reading to and with kids helps stretch their imagination. So it's that whole idea of you're just introducing them or exposing them to uh, different ideas, different cultures, different ways of life, um, different ways of thinking. And I'm also curious, and this might just be like, you know, an opinion based question, but what do you think the benefit is for those who are re- the ones reading to the kids? Oh, I mean, isn't it such a wonderful experience? Like, I mean, you, you've touched on a little bit already this morning. I'll tell you, when, when I've gone into classrooms this year and I, I've brought books in, the kids are excited to have me. They have no idea who I am. So we can talk a little bit about that. And I learned a little bit about them as well. We've got schools that stretch from LaSalle all the way out to Richer and La Brokery here in St. River School Division. So getting to talk to those kids and, and connect with them at the outset is great for me as, a, as an individual, as a citizen. It's helping me be a better person because I'm understanding more about the communities that I, uh, I am in and I'm uh, representing the teachers in. Yeah, the diversity in our schools is uh, absolutely phenomenal and it's eye-opening. And, and so just to connect with those kids, maybe new Canadians and, and those that might be struggling a little bit in school. And it's always, you know, if a teacher says, oh, you know, 
Brett doesn't usually engage like this. He's really engaged today. Thank you for that. But uh, let me just talk about the imagination side of it. You, you mentioned, Jonathan, just the idea of the look on the kids' faces. And it's one thing when you're reading them a, a picture book and you're sort of walking through. I can remember grade two or grade three, we, we read as a classroom Black Beauty, right? We would have have classroom time we'd sit around and cross our legs and our teachers would read black beauty and then i remember when the movie with mickey rooney came out and i was devastated i was crushed because i think i had the era completely wrong in my head the visuals didn't add up at all to the way i had imagined these characters and so obviously i've reconciled that all these years later more or less but you know that competition with movies how do we how do we uh, caution our kids or or have them embrace the idea that the way they have pictured it in their head versus the way it's portrayed in the movie that it's okay to hang on to the one that that you have in your imagination does that make sense it makes perfect sense and i'm glad you're talking about it because uh, we live in a, a day and an age where the creation of media is easier than ever I mean, I, I also have served a role as a technology consultant in my school division in the past. And, you know, bringing technology resources in the classroom just for the sake of technology wasn't really helping the kids. It's about meshing what they want to do, what they want to achieve with the technology was super important. And so the creation side of things has really exploded over the last, you know, 15 years. I've been a teacher for 22, but certainly the last 15, I've noticed that kids are, are more um, uh, willing, able, and, and um, they, they really want to take what they're learning and create things out of it. So in that sense, you know, maybe not separating what they're seeing in terms of someone's interpretation of the book they've read or that they're going to be reading, but explaining to them that everyone has their own ideas about what a book might bring and different interpretations and maybe introducing that to them saying, you know, this is the book we're going to be reading, or this is the book you've just finished reading. Uh, there is a movie. You might want to check it out. Or there's a graphic novel interpretation of that chapter book you just read. You might want to check that out, or you might want to create your own. And there's lots of different uh, ways that students can use technology or even just use, you know, the classic paper and pencil or, or crayons or paint or whatever to create things based on their interpretation of what they've read. Our guest this morning is Jonathan Wade, president of St. River Teachers Association. And, you know, these books that we read to kids in the classes, they typically have illustrations. And the illustrations in a lot of these books are, are so crucial uh, to the story. So, but I'm wondering in your, what do you think about the illustrations in terms of how do they help stimulate these young brains and these young minds? Well, certainly at our early years levels or K to four levels, the, the students uh, are identifying with pictures, in particular your K one, two students, as they're getting older, the words are becoming more important in terms of the, their context, their imagination that they're using. Um, but when I go into schools, I make sure that I'm bringing a variety of, th of books. So uh, as an example, I went to a school recently and I brought two books with me. One, you actually uh, interviewed the author last week. That's Michael Redhead Champagne and his wonderful book, We Need Everyone, uh, illustrated by Tiff Bartell. I brought that book to, to schools this year uh, as an intentional act. That book has a really strong message about building community and, and understanding your gifts and your skills and your talents and sharing them with others. And the illustrations in that book, Tiff Bartell, who is a Winnipegger as well, did such an excellent job of capturing those gifts with a you know the simplest of shapes stars 
but you can see the stars pervasive through the entire book, and it's a narrative in itself. So at the earlier level, certainly, those pictures are enhancing the understanding that the students have and connecting the words to them. When you get into some of the, the middle years classrooms, the five through eight, I, I'm okay bringing a, a chapter book with me and reading a chapter book that has very little illustration because then it's about engaging the students in a dialogue about what they're hearing and what their uh, what their thoughts are. One of the books I brought uh, to one of my schools this year is called Ancestor Approved, Intertribal Stories for Kids. It's a collection of short stories and poems. And at one school, I just had time for to read a couple poems. But still, out of those poems, we were able to have a really important discussion about what they heard, what they've experienced, if any of them have experienced the powwow as it was related through the author's words. And it was a really engaging conversation. So on both ends, it's about creating those opportunities for students to to talk about what they've heard, to talk about their own experiences and make connections. And before we let you go, Jonathan, I'm just curious because, uh, you know, I wonder what you think about comic books. Because when I was a kid, I was common to hear things like comic books are trash. Read a real book. But uh, I get just as much out of reading a comic book as I get out of a quote unquote real book. So you got any thoughts on comics? Absolutely. I mean, the, 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 I referenced it earlier, graphic novel um, adapt, adaptations of classic stories is huge. And I know that a lot of kids who, uh, even high school, who maybe don't get the Shakespeare thing, are connecting with graphic novels and understanding it better than ever. Um, I brought uh, a wonderful graphic novel to a school just a couple weeks ago by a Canadian author. Uh, the, the book is called Swim Team by Johnny Christmas. He's out in Vancouver. And I was just able to read the first part of the graphic novel. And as you can imagine, if I, I've got 40 kids kind of in a semicircle around me and I'm standing like a sage on a stage and I've got this book in front of me. So, of course, I, I have a little bit of a drama background. I want to bring some voices into it so that they identify, you know, which character is speaking when because to show a graphic novel and a read aloud is a little bit tough. But teachers have more resources than ever these days. There are document cameras that will allow them to do read-alouds in class without the students having to need the, the, the same copy of the book in front of them. They can show it on the overhead or the, the projector. I think graphic novels are an excellent resource, especially considering we have so many different levels of readers in every single class. Uh, I had a grade 8 class one year that had readers from, uh, you know, th their reading levels range from kindergarten to grade 11. And that was one class of 25 students. So uh, knowing that we have uh, a lot of different styles of readers, a lot of different skills in terms of literacy in the classroom, graphic novels can be a huge help for teachers. Jonathan, this is wonderful stuff. Thank you so much for joining us this morning to help Mark I Love to Read Month. We appreciate your time, sir. I appreciate both of you. Thank you very much. Jonathan Waite, president of Seine River Teachers Association, joining us live on 680 CJOB. And I'm glad he mentioned the book from Michael Redhead Champagne because that's actually what precipitated him joining us is he messaged me on Instagram and said, I, when we, and after we interviewed Michael and said, I read that book to kids. It's Love amazing. It. <laughs> and I forgot about that already. So Oops, I need to read more. My thank, brain is not sharp. I want to thank Jonathan for reaching out to us. Another example of how our listeners, our radio family, become an integral part of what we do here every day. We appreciate you. What is your favorite book that has pictures, illustrations, photographs, whatever? We got Jets tickets for Sunday night's game. It's the Wasack night. And one of our runners up here, 
Todd, he's got a great local suggestion. A few years back, Todd says, I received a book from Travel Manitoba that contained beautiful photography from all over our province. And to this day, it still sits on my coffee table. And anytime guests come over, they can't help but flip through the book and admire the beauty of our province that the book so expertly highlights. Yeah, my buddy Harry Texas say they have the picture book, the hardcover book of the flood of the century. It oh, sits wow. on the coffee table at their cottage at Lake of the Woods. I've flipped through that book there before and kind of apropos as you sit on the water. So that that's another another incredible book. Uh, Lori, one another one of our runners. This this was <laughs> this was impossible oh today. Oh my gosh! Uh, Lori is a runner up. What did Lori have? My absolute favorite book with pictures is "Where the Wild Things Are." It is about a mischievous boy named Max and his wild adventures. When my first child was very young, I spent my income tax refund on a big chair for the living room, big enough to share, and put it under the window. It was our reading chair. My son loved where the wild things are. We read it every day. He was so cute. He'd call himself Max when he was playing and getting all wild. Even now, the book sits on our living room shelf alongside the beloved chair. And every time I see it, I get a wave of nostalgia. The book is a treasure trove of memories and makes my heart swell to remember all the time we spent reading and playing it. Thanks, and I hope you have a wonderful day. You too, Lori. Great story. Wonderful, wonderful retelling of your experience with that book. And this is a cool one from uh, Bob. Dad got me Death of a Legend about the 1972 Summit Series. I was six. Couldn't really read yet, but the pics led to the words over time. Thought I lost it on numerous occasions when moving from place to place, and it would have been like losing a part of me and a piece of true Canadian sports culture because it had been put out right at the time. I always feel like it reflected the true free feel and spirit of the series and relationship between Canada and then USSR. All those players are 70 or 80 or gone now. A true treasure, uh, along with my program and the results of the 1980 marathon that I ran in. My two favorite books. Very nice. That's cool, Bob. I think we jump now to uh, Wendy as one of our runners-up. When I was a child, my parents gave me a subscription for Reader's Digest children's version. It was full of stories, puzzles, and games. From this book, I ordered personally monogrammed pencils and a Snoopy-themed pencil sharpener. When my dad died, I... Found in his locked file cabinet a single pencil he'd kept for over 50 years. The actual name of the magazine was Humpty Dumpty. And I think they still publish that in some form. That's pretty cool, Wendy, that yeah. uh, you found that pencil. That must have been wow. mind-blowing memory for you. Um, but our Brad sort of leads into our winner here because we were talking earlier about Love You Forever by Robert Munch. Brad says it was my favorite book to read to my kids. And I started printing this book way back in 1986 at Friesen Corporation. Over 37 million printed, by the way. That's in Manitoba, right? Yeah, I think uh, I think Jeff Braun's dad used to work there. I think Jeff Braun worked there. In Altona. I think so, yeah. Okay. Well, and the reason why Brad, we say, leads into our winner, because Trish is our winner today, who says, hands down, I love you forever. I received a copy as a gift with the birch of birth of each of my sons and as a mother of sons it really hits all the feels and I cannot read it without tearing up and when my oldest son was married I ended my mother of the bride speech with I love you forever I like you for always as long as I'm living my baby you'll be Trish 
You got us with that one. All of you got us. Just extraordinary stuff. We thank you so much for sharing these incredible tales and incredible moments of your lives. We are very, very grateful. So Trish wins the Sunday night Jets tickets for Wasack Night, which once once again celebrates Indigenous culture highlighted by sharing spaces with youth from northern and remote Indigenous communities. That game's at 5 o'clock against Arizona. amongst us has not spent a sick day channel surfing and landing on one of the most iconic game shows of all time. Come on now. Aaron, you're the next contestant on the prices, right? feeling I have another one. <laughs> Here's the next item up for bid. An elegant flat top desk. <laughs> Aaron, what do you bid on that? 1200 bucks. 1200 bucks. <laughs> Actual retail price, 1797 Aaron so that's actor Aaron Paul, best known for his time portraying Jesse Pinkman on the mega hit Breaking Bad TV series, getting the call to contestants row on The Price is Right, ultimately making it on stage. Can't remember if he made it to the showcase showdown. He spun the wheel for sure. Uh, who wouldn't want to hear their name called, Brett, while at a filming of a Price is Right episode in Burbank, California? Well, our next guest attended such a taping. Proud Winnipegger Tony Kuziak joins us now live on The Start. Tony, good morning to you. Hey, good morning all. How are you? Doing great. Thanks for joining us this morning, Tony. So I guess the first question is, when did you attend The Price is Right? Anyway, uh, me and my wife were in California and uh, attended on January 18th. Okay, Tony. So is this something you always wanted to do? Is it on your bucket list of things to do? You know what? It was. I've been watching Prices Right since probably the first taping. I don't know. What was I? Eight, nine? Who knows? <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was something I put in an application about a year ago because you got to p- apply online or put your stuff in online. And uh, finally, I got sent some dates and uh, tickets. So picked a date and went, uh, got onto the show. So tell us a little bit about the process. I, I, I've seen some documentaries. I've seen some news stories. I've heard from people that I know have been down there. Talk about the process. You, you line up and then what happens? Well, you know what? We're, we're staying in Laguna beach. We got up at four thirty, left at five thirty. It was a hour and a half drive back into LA because it was, uh, where was it? Glendale, California, right in LA. Got there at seven and you know, we're the first one there. I got out of the car, t-shirt shorts. It was 54 degrees. All these other people are all bundled up, and they knew right away, you must be from Canada. Absolutely, I am. And I said, what a wonderful day. It was beautiful, sunny, like I say, 54 degrees. In Winnipeg, I think it was 40 below. But anyway, uh, yeah, so we we got there. We had tickets, so everybody pretty well has to have tickets. And then they put you into, uh, it was like a church auditorium. And you're sitting there waiting for three hours. 
and they they're watching. You know what? They got cameras on the people, and they're watching the people. And somebody says, you know what? They pick the craziest people. I always thought it's you know they pick your name out of a hat, but uh, you know what? It was great. They take in ten at a time into a room. They interview you back into that holding room. You watch an episode of an old episode of The Price Is Right. And you know what? I just had the crowd going. I had everybody doing the wave like I was at a bomber game. And it was great. The people loved it. And I can't tell you else what happened once we got into the show, but it was fun. <laughs> well, we, we do have to ask you, at the very least, can you tell us whether or not you got the call? Has the Tony Kuziak come on down? <laughs> you know what? I wish I could, but I was sworn to secrecy. But in 20 minutes, you will be able to watch the show and see for yourself. So, you know what? Yeah, I, I can't say. So, you know what? That's the way it goes. But in 20 minutes, I waited a whole month to watch this show and uh, everybody else. So, you so know what? You've, <laughs> you've been waiting a month. Anybody, everybody else can wait 20 more minutes, right, to find out? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> right on, Tony. Okay, so this has sort of gone the way I expected it would. You laid out the story terrifically, and, uh, you know, you kept the suspense, and, and it's understandable. You can't tell us anything, so good on you. NDAs with Tony Kuziak uh, are fully enforceable. <laughs> he's, he's, he's a trustworthy guy. But but we've we've known each other, what, about 14 years now, and you've done some pretty incredible stuff, and I just want to take the time just to say thank you for that. Just talk about your support of cancer research and just how much money you've raised in our province over the years in support of cancer research. Uh, you know what? In all the time I've done it, you know, it's way well over 200 grand. So for the, for the ride for Dad was my big ride. I've done it 14 years. I've raised over 200000 for the ride for dad itself. And even before I started the ride for dad, I used to do some uh, shave your uh, head cancer fundraisers uh, many years ago and Mona Lisa and did that. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, so I've raised quite a bit of money. I, I'd say I'd probably be about 240 grand total in all, all the years I've been doing fundraisers. Well, I wanted to bring that up just because you're an extraordinary person and uh, this this appearance or not appearance on The Price is Right this morning, I hope you win all the prizes because uh, what you've done and what you've given back to the com community, there's not a better person I could imagine to uh, come home with a haul of stuff from California, Tony. So I got my fingers, my toes, everything crossed for you as this episode airs at 10 o'clock this morning. Okay, brother? Hopefully you're PVRing it so when you get home. Actually, they show it again at noon on uh, Channel 85. So, Oh, you know. like a, maybe like a West Coast feed or something. I guess, yeah, whatever, okay. but uh, yeah, listen, you'll have a laugh. Can you tell us, just from uh, from being in person, you don't have to tell us if you played the game, but are there, was it, were there any games that you found you enjoyed watching more in person, or or maybe the reverse, like where you were, maybe there's a game that you really enjoy watching on television that wasn't as exciting to see in person? 
Oh, you know what? Every game was exciting. The crowd is just unreal, you know, and it's just, it's just totally all fired up. And you know what? The very first game off the hop, they started with Plinko. Everybody wants to watch Plinko, and that was the first game, and I figured, oh, why didn't I get called for that? Or, you know, and, uh, yeah, all, all, every every game that day was great, you know, and it was fun. And uh, like I say, I I wish I could tell you what happened, but I'm looking at the clock, 13 minutes to go. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Tony, hopefully we will turn on the TV and hear the words, Tony Kuziak, you are the next contestant on The Price is Right. Come on down. Yeah, I'm excited about that too. (laughs) All right, Tony. Hey, thanks for joining us. This has been fun and uh, looking forward to seeing what happens. Right on, Greg. Thank you very much, and uh, enjoy the show. All right, Tony. Go get him, buddy. All right. Take care. Tony Kuziak, proud Winnipegger, joining us live. He was on The Price is Right, and you'll be able to see if he got the call coming up at 10 o'clock. That would be cool. Being And one of my buddies, I think, actually has been uh, in in that taping, so I'll have to ask him about that because I know he's dug on to the – the price is right when the when it comes here, but yeah, I think yeah. he's actually been on the price is right proper over the years. Have been some good. There have been several Winnipeggers who have not necessarily on the price is right, but on uh, several other game shows that have done very well. I think Sandra Lewis. She used to anchor the CBC News way back in the day. Yeah, I think she did really well. I, I want to say what's the one with the whammies? Press your luck. Or was it okay. another game show? And she won a bunch of stuff. And, of course, you tax so heavily. Like, if you want a car, you're not bringing it back. No. No, you're, you're doing what you can to maybe pay the tax, temporarily sell it, and, and pocket the cash. But, yeah, what? I, I'm going to have to look that up. I'll have that for you in the next segment. Sandra Lewis, I know, I know she uh, made uh, some money on an American game show. And don't forget Monty Hall. Of course, the, the original, the greatest of all time, the greatest of the great, the best of the best. And what was the show that uh, that he hosted? Uh, Let's the... make a deal. Thank you. The name was escaping me. Yeah. Do you want the what's uh, behind door number one or door number two? Here's a car behind door number two. Do you want to switch it for what's in the box? Do you want to take the box? <laughs> what's behind door number three? Oh, it's a goat. You end up with a goat. <laughs> I'm just looking at a picture of that right now. There's a goat sticking its head out of door oh, number really? two. <laughs> Crazy uh, game show, man.